0: Hello, hello there. Welcome back to another installment of what I am currently calling the Chronicles of a Speech Therapist. As that rolls off my tongue, I'm not so keen on the name, and I'm clearly 85 years old using words like keen. Anyways, um, I'm going to work on that name, it's, you know, by the time this is online, it's going to be different, but it's fun to say Chronicles of a Speech-Patherapist. One, because Chronicles just sounds super magical and fun, and then Speech-Patherapist is, um, a fun, uh, combining of the words Speech-Pathologist that Mark came up with for me, so he calls me a Speech-Patherapist, and I just thought, why not? Um... In this episode, I am talking all about why I decided to even become a speech pathologist. No, it was not this lifelong thing I knew I was destined to be. I didn't know what a speech pathologist was until my second year of college. Um, I have no problem admitting that either. And I'm sure some of you out there kind of feel the same way where you're like, yeah. I mean, I knew who the speech teacher was um, at you know, my elementary schools and stuff, but really it wasn't something like I real, I didn't realize what the field even was. Let's be real. Okay. So, um, I actually started my college career with the idea that I was a biology major and at, I don't know, again, in my second year of college, I, I started out at a community college and, um, Thankfully, I did because, one, it's a great place to be when you really aren't quite sure what you want to do. Even though I thought I was sure what I wanted to do, um, I ended up switching and, you know, became a speech pathologist. So it saved me some money. Only a little, though, because um, student loans are fun. So, um, yeah, I was really interested in, you know, when I was a biology major, in, um, making miracles happen, as I like to say, and um, I actually, before I keep going, I have a blog post on this, so if you're more of a reader um, and would want to read this story, feel free to visit my blog. I have a lot of fun speech therapy freebies and activities and stuff, as well as, um, you know, uh, blogs on comedy improv and a green smoothie recipe that I'm quite fond of. So it's kind of, my website is kind of my hub for everything that I love to do, because as much as I love being a speech therapist, it's not uh, the only thing I feel uh, I can identify as. So um, feel free to visit my website. I, I have a lot of fun putting it together. I hope it's fun for people to kind of see the things I'm doing as I'm doing them. I try to keep it as up-to-date as possible. Sometimes with work, you know, gets a little backlogged, but that's okay. So anyways, yeah, I started out as a, a wannabe scientist, um, And I really wanted to get into, you know, stem cell research and finding a cure for illnesses and, and again, just making miracles happened, happened, happened. But um, when I was in my second year of college, I had to take, you know, everybody has to take their communications course. And I chose small group communication because I didn't want to, I didn't want to give speeches by myself. That's really the honest truth. However, I didn't realize I was going to give a speech by myself on a service Active, or um, service project where I had to volunteer for a certain amount of time in a situation where I'd be observing small group communication. And I decided, because my mom is a teacher, to ask her if she could reach out to her teachers in her, um, in her school and see if anybody needed help. And the resource specialist teacher, the RSP teacher, said, I'll take a volunteer. And so there I was working with small groups of um, sixth graders who were, you know, they got special education services part of the time, but were mainstreaming into general education classes. And I was helping them with their science homework, their math homework, and just finishing finishing projects and things like that. Uh, And helping at the time, I didn't realize what I was doing, but I was helping make modifications and accommodations um, to fit their needs, right? But, you know, of course, I wasn't even... 100% aware at the time that they were I didn't know what the system was I didn't know what it looked like I didn't understand what an IEP was an individualized education plan right and so it 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 didn't all kind of click until I started my speech um, it started grad school really and understood what the school system looks like and what special education really is and and all the nuts and bolts of what go into it but when I was working in this classroom I just learned that I could that I really enjoyed working in there. And actually after my service requirement was up, I stayed. And I went back the following year to help out in the classroom as much as I could because I just adored working with those students. And um, before the end of my service assignment, I was actually getting pretty frustrated with the science world. I was was not doing well in my chemistry class. I wasn't enjoying uh, my science classes. And it, it was just really upsetting to me because I thought I wanted to do it. So I kind of was pushing myself to like it, even though I really didn't. You know, chemistry just not my jam. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. Um, biology is great. Math I was okay with. But chemistry, man, I was ready to just quit school. And that's not something you'd normally hear from me. Um, so I, um, as I was kind of like falling out of love with science, or with uh, being a biology major, I was starting to really fall in love with the idea of being in the special education world. And it couldn't have come at a more perfect time. And uh, the teacher's aide in the classroom one day pulled me aside and just said, hey, you know, you work really well with our students. Have you ever looked into speech pathology? And i that was the first time I heard those words and looked at her like, you're speaking a foreign language to me, woman. So I kind of was like, what's that? And she goes, well, you know, like speech class, speech therapy and whatever. And I was like, oh, huh. So of course I went home and in my scientific mind, you know, knew the best thing to do would be research. So I started researching and fun thing, well, the way I put it together in my head was that, you know, oh my gosh, speech pathologists don't really just work on sounds, but in fact, they're experts in science, right? Science of communication, because that's what they're called, communicative sciences and disorders. Um, that's what my major I majored in in the end. And, um, you know, then there's the science of swallowing disorders. I mean, yay. So now I was on to something, and I had the confidence of knowing, you know, I enjoyed working with a specific population linked to this career path because I was doing it, and I was involved, and already applying skills I didn't know I even had. And so, you know, for about a year after that, I still went back and forth. Like I said, I continued volunteering in the same classroom after my requirement was up. um, But I still wanted to perform miracles. I wanted to help save lives or at least enhance the lives of others through scientific discoveries. Because, you know, I'm fancy. Um, But as I researched and volunteered and just prayed for answers, i realized that my path to becoming a scientist wouldn't end if I tried to pursue something a little bit different. It would just change. And part of what got me to really like that idea to click was the fact that I wasn't enjoying the science, like the science courses. I wasn't enjoying the process, which is something so huge to me. And on my podcast with Mark, Good Talks, uh, we talk about enjoying the process all the time because the journey of life doesn't really ever end if you're ready to keep growing with it, right? And so enjoying that process is really important to do. You know, like even now, I've, I've made it. I'm a speech pathologist, but the process isn't stopped. I'm enjoying the things I learn now from my students and from the families I work with and from the teachers I work with or the conferences I go to. There's a whole new process every day, I feel like. Um, just that's, that's life in my shoes um, because I like to... I like to learn something every day. It's it's how I how I thrive. Um, so you know, let's fast forward about eight years from that time that I decided. Oh, I have an email. This is why you gotta close out your windows. I thought I closed them all out, but now you know I got an email from a online an online shop because online shopping, you know. Um, but anyway, so. Right now, I'm in my third official year as a speech pathologist or, um, you know, a master of communicative sciences, (laughs) and um, uh, that's five total years, including graduate school clinicals, and every year, I've realized how much more I love this SLP life and the learning and growth it promotes for me as a human. Um, You know, I learn so much, like I said, from my clients or my students, and I love that this field is never ending. I mean, it's this field is so based on scientific research; it's insane. And you don't really think about it if you're not a speech pathologist, you know. And and again, I go back to the fact that um, a lot of people will say, "Oh, so you correct students' Rs or Ss?" and it's like, well. First of all, no, because in preschool, (laughs) I am a preschool speech therapist now, Um, and in preschool, you know, we don't always work on those sounds first, we work on other sounds. Um, For sure they could be there, but anyways, Uh, but no, that's not all we do, right? And it's just so funny because, you know, now I have this home, my, my preschool classroom, and if you go on my blog post about this, you'll find some pictures of my my preschool classroom, which, oh, well, shedding a little tear because right now we aren't in school it, you know, with the coronavirus shutdown and everything. But I absolutely love my classroom. Um I feel like I've worked so hard to get there even after my first couple years as a speech therapist. I've had to, you know, every speech therapist knows the struggle of um voicing and, and being your best advocate for what you need, right? We don't want a broom closet. We don't want the janitors Tiny closet. Um, that was me the first year, by the way. I got the janitor's office as <laughs> my speech room. Um, we want, we need, sometimes we need a fully functional classroom, sometimes we don't. Sometimes a small space is better. I'm a preschool speech therapist and I have a slipper twice a, twice a week. So I need room for double groups. I also need room for playtime on the floor because a lot of what I do personally as a speech therapist and what I find effective is play. And so I, you know, you could call it play therapy, you could call it just, um, language based playtime or whatever, but I do a lot of play because I think that that is so perfect when trying to build language skills. And so I need that space. So I had to learn how to advocate for myself. Um, and I love having pictures on my, my, uh, blog with just little corners of my room because I've, I've, like I said, I've worked so hard to get there and, you know, um, now that I'm in the preschool setting, it's, it's kind of funny. I didn't really understand what I was getting myself into when I started working in preschool. Um, and, you know, when I first started, my very first real internship when I was in grad school was working with middle schoolers. Um, and luckily, fortunately for me, I had a really great supervisor, and she helped me just kind of... Um, Ease into working in the school setting because that I knew that's where I wanted to be because that was where I very my very first experience was, and I did have a, a hospital internship in grad school, as many grad students will have. I'm pretty sure that's a requirement from our American Speech and Hearing Association, right? And uh, I, I had that, and I I did love it. I did love you know working. I worked in inpatient rehab again. I had an amazing supervisor. I don't think I've I have any like, um, frustrating or unkind things to say about any of the supervisors I've ever had or any of the speech pathologists um, that have guided me. Because, like, there's something about choosing to be a speech pathologist. Again, you want to kind of perform miracles, or you at least you want to help. You're altruistic. I think that's a very, in, in my opinion, that is a defining trait of a true speech pathologist. Um, you're altruistic. You're, you're there because you want to help. I think the biggest frustration for many of the SLPs in my district right now is that we don't know how to help. This is uncharted territory for us. We're trying to find the best ways to help our students, but not knowing is hard. One, because most of us are pretty type A, <laughs> so we need it in black and white, you know, in writing. But two, we we got into this field to be helpful. We got into this field because we know there's a need for us. And we've tra- we've been trained and we've gone through the rigorous grad school programs. Because let me tell you, as much as I found my chemistry classes challenging, you know, grad school was no picnic. It was hard. And I still shed tears, but I, I still had passion for it. The tears came from a place of wanting to do so much better than I was doing versus wanting to quit. And um, I mean there were times I thought what am I doing but there are still times I think what am I doing you know um in preschool and in you know some mod severe settings you might see some pretty crazy behaviors and I've had a rough year with behaviors I'll admit um but it's in have a, you know after a speech session taken a deep breath and gone what the heck am I doing you know like why but then I realized you know yeah like yeah there's behaviors but it's just a it's just a form of communication and i'm trying to analyze and interpret it on the fly and it's teaching me so much about my field and what i can do next time right and and the growth that there is yet to there's still to do you know and i i talk about yeah i wanted to get into science to perform miracles but the best part of my job is i kind of do get to perform miracles every single day um and some of my favorite examples of this are, you know, this year, this school year, especially because that's what's most fresh in my mind. But um, earlier this, uh, like around January 2020, one of my nonverbal students, who I've had for, this is his last year of preschool. So I've I've had him for two full years now, and he's pretty. Um, he, he's he's nonverbal. He, oh, his main method of communication is nonverbal, but he does have some vocalizations now, and he um, he will, like, uh, try to imitate when we're singing songs and things like that, but never, there's probably some apraxia, there's an apraxic component too, that's my, that's my, um, you know, observation, I guess you could say, my informal <laughs> observation, and um, And early in January, we came back from winter break, and we're working, and and he imitated the p sound, the p, right, the p. Um, intentionally imitated it. He looked at my lips. He watched what I was doing. He kind of squinted, and then he imitated it. And then we just did it over and over for ten minutes. And I took him back to his classroom, and I was trying, you know, you you do this thing, but you're like. Sometimes I'm torn with my students between jumping for joy in front of them and doing a victory dance or something or like a celebration dance and remaining calm because I don't want to be over the top, but I also want them to see like, you did it, yay. And so I I try to gauge that. I try to read each student individually. And sometimes that big expression is great and it works. If you take him back to class and you're like, guess what he did? Guess what he did? And the teachers are excited and we all celebrate together. And then sometimes you have to be a little bit more subdued and just say, good job. Let's keep doing it. You're doing it great. And that's it. And then, you know, you walk him back to class and then you pull the teacher aside. And that's what I did for the student. I pulled the teacher aside and he said, he's imitating sounds. Make sure he watches your mouth and you're at his level and he can see what you're doing and he'll do it. And so, you know, it was one of those things, but oh my gosh, miracle. I mean, not that it was never going to happen. It was going to happen, but it feels like you just, you're like, there's little miracles throughout the day, little magical moments. Maybe we should call them magic instead. I don't know. I just, oh, it's it's one of those things where you're like, you work for two years on something and you finally get it. And it doesn't matter how long it takes in the end because we did it and it's successful. Um, and then, you know, I have another student who has, um, some severe speech motor difficulties. And, um, again, we're talking oral motor planning and possible apraxia. Um, and before we went on this shutdown again I've had him for over a year about a year and a half now on my caseload and he's he came to me with just grunting I mean, I called him the dinosaur, my dinosaur speech kiddo, because he would just sound like a dinosaur. Um, and in the cutest way, I don't mean that in a, in a demeaning way. It was just that's how he communicated, and we figured out how to work with him and how to work on his oral motor planning and, and things like that. Thank goodness for Kaufman cars, I will say they are magical. Um, but by, you know, after a year and some months, he is using three words. Um, pretty consistently. Yes, it's hard to understand him sometimes, but he has all the confidence in the world and he just doesn't stop trying. And that's, I mean, he enjoys it. He's not afraid. I think there's a lot of fear and sometimes that lack of confidence when kids know they don't know how to say what they're trying to say. Right. And it's a miracle. Like, it's just, I mean, I love it. I, oh, oh, it gives me chills even talking about it. Um, you know, I've, when I have students push buttons to engage with their peers. Um, And then I had this student last year, and we worked all year on pushing a button when doing Five Little Monkeys. And um, (laughs) finally, um, by the end of the year, we brought her in with some classmates and to the speech rooms for just to have that smaller setting. And they would each take turns when pressing the button to sing their part in the song. And it was her part of the song, but one of her peers pressed the button too soon. And she yelled in a mad way because it, she knew it was her turn. And it was just like, yeah, you know, she's mad. And I don't want her mad, but dang, like, it just, oh, it makes my whole body like get chills. And I just want to cry thinking about how amazing that moment was. Because not only was she able to push that dang button, but she was able to tell me, I am mad that you let my friend or that my friend took my turn. That is not okay. So, you know, that's, that's why I do what I do. And I love it. And I love it every day, even now being in a virtual, uh, on a virtual platform, I'm making these videos and, you know, I'm trying to incorporate all the different ways that my different students, cause everybody's, all my kids are different, um, They all need different things. They all need different supports for their communication. And so when I'm now trying to figure out how I'm going to accommodate each and every one of them, it's challenging. It's, again, new, uncharted territory. But that's my job. That's every day of my job. It doesn't matter if I'm miles away or in the same speech room. I should always be looking for the new, fun ways that we can work on our skills and keep developing, right? And I think, you know, a big thing... I've worked on in the last couple of years is my confidence with working with families and parents and training parents. Again, I told you, um, oh, I didn't tell you this. I don't think I mentioned this. I don't know, but I am Hannon certified now. And that's something that, you know, has given me a little bit more of, um, just confidence in working with my families and feeling like, okay, I have the skills I, and the knowledge to help tell parents, oh, try this or try that, um which is very important. I think parent and guardian empowerment and working on their child's speech and language skills is the most important thing in helping their child's growth. So if you've made it all the way, if you've listened to all of this, um, I applaud you. Thank you for listening, letting me tell you a little bit more about why I'm here and what I'm doing. And um, I think that gives me a great... Um, Just foundation on this podcast. So you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, Lots of preschool talk on here. But also, you know, again, I've done a lot of different things now. I've worked in high school, and I've worked in um, uh, middle school and elementary school. And so I hope to have a lot more feedback for those of you in those areas, or even in the hospital setting. I've got quite a few friends from grad school who now are working in, you know, inpatient or um, private clinics, And it's going to be fun. This is going to be a fun ride. So thank you for listening. Um, You know, signing off with all the love and the laughs. Uh, This has been Marie, the scientist. And uh, I will be talking to you next time.